0: Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 70, where today we have our first interview here in Season 4. I sometimes wish we could speed up the calendar this year, turn a few more pages at a time to bring 2020 to a close. You know, with all the turmoil over COVID-19, the presidential election, and heightened racial tension in the U.S., I would just like to wipe the slate clean and start all over again how about you? Are you with me on this? We've gotten so many conflicting answers as to how to solve these problems that you don't know who to believe anymore. Well, in today's episode, I interview someone who actually has a solution of where to start in solving the racial tension here in America. Our special guest is Kevin McNulty, a management consultant, trainer, and coach with unique expertise in the area of race relations. He spent 20 years in the U.S. Air Force, working primarily in human relations education and implementing race relations policies for the military. Kevin later took that expertise and formed a management consulting practice in 2000 to help organizations increase their effectiveness through improved human and workplace dynamics. I spoke with Kevin shortly after the George Floyd Minneapolis incident in May of 2020. Listen into to our conversation, where at this point, Kevin is talking about the important role of relationships in dealing with race relations.
2: With respect to, to even the work that you do, uh, which, which I love your podcast, I was actually just listening to self-monitoring how we listen. Oh. In, in my way of thinking, it's all about the relationships when it comes down to race relations, cultural relations, diversity, inclusion,
0: all those things. Yeah. You know, given the, the, the events of the recent weeks with uh, George Floyd's tragic death uh, yeah. and all the protests uh, going on, uh, what do you make of that and what, what do you think should be done? You know, a lot of people are wondering, you know, we need to do something. You know, I, yeah. I, I need to do something. I want to do something. What do you yeah. think that something should be?
2: Yeah, well, one, I think I think you have to separate these issues. Uh, the, the George Floyd situation—it's, uh, you know, I I actually fall short with the right words because most of them already been stated about how tragic that was. That it's a situation. I remember watching it for the first time. I don't think I saw it. Mm. I doubt I saw it live, but but whatever. Very early on. And I remember watching that, and, and I, I have to tell you, I, uh, I got a lump in my throat. I, I just had a hard time watching yeah. what was obviously the, the, the watching a man die in front of our eyes with people screaming at the police officers, begging that they release him, hmm. and this police officer would not get off of his neck. I just, hmm. I, I take all components out of it for, hmm. for right now. take out race gender all of that and just say to myself how can that possibly happen you see so when you look at that circumstance and if you want to associate race to it it becomes very complicated i would submit to you um you know there's even hesitation in my thinking right now john because of the implications of what i'm about to say and how people will perceive this but i'm just going to say it in all honesty is that you can't look at that situation and necessarily attribute it to racism hmm. to understand that you know that there, there again um it, it, I, it would be hard to debate somebody about this because it's an unproven fact about whether this man was a racist I think what is a proven fact, and I haven't looked deeply into his background, it does appear that he had several uh, instances of abuse as a police officer. Mm -hmm. So, when and and by the way, I might also say that in in this agency that I worked in, the social actions agency within the Air Force, we also uh, actually did all the investigations for race discrimination, sexual harassment, all of that. I mean, we handled all of it. Mm -hmm. And so I have investigated uh, innumerable, uh, race relations complaints, um, but, you know, I should say, opportunity treatment complaints of all sorts. Mm. So, so I, I, do look at this, you know, as, as I'm listening to the discussion about, uh, about it being racist and race relations, it's, I can't help but to peer through a more professional lens and say that you, at this point, you can't just look at that and suggest this guy is a racist and he did it because the man was black. There are there are some things that you would discuss about that, but you can't just purely look at it.
1: Mm.
2: But again, from my lens, I, I don't need to necessarily just from a humanity standpoint, need to know. What his motives were, mm. you, you know, it's just wrong from the very beginning, yeah. you know, it's just it, it, so, so there's just nothing that you can. You can, in my way of thinking, unless some something really incredibly comes out in the in the uh, in the legal realm as to why he did this, but I just I cannot think of anything that justifies doing what he did. Mm-hmm. so 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 now what you have, of course, is people peering depending on their own mindset on what I call your mind's culture, how you think and what you believe, you immediately read into that situation. What you believe is happening, again, I would not debate anybody about this. If they looked at it and saw that this man was a racist, I I have to sincerely acknowledge and, and appreciate this is their paradigm, especially when you look at how egregious this thing was, it certainly is suspect, I, I would say. It has to be part of the thinking there. I have no ambiguity about what I'm looking at. That is yeah. a police officer essentially, intentionally or unintentionally killing uh, killing a man hmm. now you have the rest of it the riots i think you have to completely separate that you have protesters who are who are who are just outraged by what was going on i i would have to say that as i if i were a, a minority or a black person african-american uh i might feel exactly the same way again i i don't need the color context to be outraged i too am outraged Mm-hmm. I think everybody ought to be outraged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really do. I don't, I don't say that, you know, just uh, to be politically correct. It is outrageous that that happened yeah. and in the manner that it happened. And so I don't need the color context to be outraged just as a human being. But when it comes to the perceptions that many, perhaps most, maybe even all, let's say particularly African-Americans, and the history from which they come from through this country and the stories that have been passed down, they have a completely different paradigm. But then you also now have the rioters and the, uh, you know, again, you know, I, I don't know how else to call them, but just, you know, criminals and thugs breaking buildings down and burning down the streets. See, that's a whole different thing. I don't have any level of appreciation for that. In fact, I actually have a fair amount of disdain for that behavior. Why? Because we have completely shifted our thinking and our view and our gazing on a situation that deserves every second of our attention. And that is the killing of a man in the hands of a police officer mm-hmm. or by anybody, but most notably the, uh, a group of people that we, we have to trust will mm-hmm. protect us, that we know should be held to a higher standard. They, they have to be. There's no way around it. So,
0: so, so are you yes. saying then that, that the the uh, the protests and the looting and the violence is is really uh, distracting from what should be our focus of attention, namely the murder of this man?
2: Well, not the protesting necessarily, but certainly the violence and and the rioting. Okay. No question about that. The yeah. the, the protesting is, and, and I don't, um, I, I don't, I say this humbly as as though I. Uh, have a, a bigger voice here, but the, the protesting is obviously justified. Again,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: I would, uh, you know, I protest. You know, I haven't been out on the streets. I'm not in, you know, but uh, but but I protest that
1: mm-hmm.
2: I'm protesting that to to my local law enforcement and to and to the people that uh, I vote for. Mm-hmm. I'm protesting that they that each department, uh, each police department, if there's any, particularly. If they have, um, you know, a, a history of complaints and mm-hmm. violence on behalf of law enforcement, I am protesting and uh, and suggesting that police departments need, you know, well, maybe not even the police departments themselves, but that the local government, the local establishment, go in there and do what we do mm-hmm. in the military, and that is, you know, get down into the organizations and find out what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And if you find if you're finding people. At the level, with or without race, of a person like this police officer that killed George Floyd, uh, they need to start purging. Mm-hmm. They really do. So, no to the answer to your question is no to the protesting, yes to the rioting and the violence. That is completely yeah. complete nonsense in my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 there's there's a whole host, there's a lot of psychology that goes on behind that, and that is, of course, the whole mob mentality thing that takes place. It's a it's a collective emotion that takes place. So so there's actually some some uh some studies and explanations about how how that happens. But uh mm. it doesn't make me forgive them or it doesn't make me angry at the rioters when they have completely uh not only destroyed people's properties, they have hurt, you know, in the case of where it was primarily uh say in an African American community where this has taken place, they have damaged you know, the community and the people's work and all these other sorts of things. But most of all, John, they have taken, uh, they have distracted our entire world from what should be, mm-hmm. what, where we should all be placing our focus and uh, conscientiously showing our outrage and telling our leaders to fix this stuff. How mm-hmm. can you, how can this happen? mm mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're making. Sorry, you, you can hear the emotion in my voice. I mean, it's just yeah. it's terrible what's yeah. going on.
0: Yeah, so you're making an important distinction between uh, protesting, which which you think is a, a very appropriate, uh, and uh, making this, the the distinction between that and the violence, the looting, uh, uh, destroying correct. businesses and buildings yep. and that yep. kind of thing.
2: Well, which what, I might say also has, which which I have not for uh, I don't have one one ounce of belief that any of those people are doing this on behalf of George Floyd. I mean, can you imagine me coming out of a Target store with three TVs and say, this is for you, George? I yeah, mean, come on.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well what do what do you think should be done? What do you think how would you yeah how would you how do you solve this problem?
2: If you want to solve these problems with race relations in particular, folks need to start to go out and build relationships. Hmm. I will tell you that all my life, including my adult life, including after I got out of the Air Force, where I was no longer in such an integrated community, I have built long, loving, deep relationships with people of the African-American community, of the Hispanic community, of the white community, of whatever but it, but I'm very aware of my situation. I'm very aware that I cannot have empathy and understanding for people's situations and plight without understanding, without being immersed to some degree in that community. Hmm. I sometimes hear people rattling off on, let's say, Facebook about, uh, about, uh, you know, essentially lecturing other people on uh, on racism and, and and you're a racist if you do this or don't do that, and then a quick scroll of their profile friends, you don't see, and this happens to be a white person, you, you don't see a single African-American on their friends list. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to make a total judgment on that, but that mm-hmm. looked good, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and I'm not going to walk around bragging about my relationships, but I will say that if we want to solve this problem, it's time to start building relationships. It's start, it's time. And if you want to get more into the race and the cultural relations, then you start building relationships that are with people outside of your race. Spend the moment to, you know, if I'm sitting in a Starbucks writing, Whoever's sitting next to me, I'm not inappropriate. I'm not sort of just like getting in people's faces. But whoever's sitting next to me, of whatever race, religion, culture, if it seems appropriate to chime in and say, hey, or ask them, what book are you reading? I'm in.
1: Mm.
2: And this is such a simple way of building relationships, even those kinds of distant, shallow relationships with people, You know, just to hear from them, just to let them hear from you. So that's, that's, that is that's the only way to to really uh, solve some of these relational problems and even more the perceptual problems that we have with, uh, you know, with our brothers and sisters from other races and cultures and, and religions or whatever the case might be. It doesn't come from, again, I'm not against it, but it, it's not going to come from the protesting. The protesting is important. It should be done but it's really more to elevate the consciousness of mm. our society, but, uh, but more leaders in our society to do something about it, to let them know I am outraged by this. And therefore I, I want you to know I'm not standing idly by just saying, Oh, well, it was this, that, or the other. But if you want to build the race relations and the cultural relations and religious relations, there's no other way. For instance, um, you know, I, I am a, I'm a practicing Christian. I uh, don't really have a particular denomination. Um, I belong to a Presbyterian church. I go there, but we visit other churches, too, including, by the way, Black gospel churches. Hmm. I don't go in there trying to make a scene or, you know, try to say, hey, I'm your best friend. I simply go in there, worship God, hang out with people, uh, you know, talk to them, let them hear from me and just, you know, and just. Show a little love right there. I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm simply aware of the fact that I want people to see uh, me associated with them, and, and they are associated with me, in particular in the Christian well realm. And, I, and if I understand correctly, you're, you're a fellow Christ follower. Exactly. I, uh, Correct. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. And so, and so, uh, you know, to you know, to, there's there's no other model <laughs> that quite. Yeah expresses what we should be doing, John, if we want to know the real answers is the model of Jesus. He, he took the most egregious people, like the ones who are about the stone a prostitute. Mm. you know, and he yeah. didn't call them a bunch of asses or anything else. He simply said, yeah, you without sin, you know, just go ahead and cast the first stone. And it was so profound, but more than that, he simply came to this earth and said, Hey, in Southern terms, let me say, hey, y'all, it's about love. That's Uh it. Uh You see? So Uh if you want to know how to solve these problems, man, you just start showing love to people, to other people. But in terms of solving race relations problems, I will admit you have to extend yourself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's not as though like black people or Hispanics or Jews or others sort of require this necessary necessary extra uh, you know extra effort to build a relationship with them but it does take a little bit more effort to, to for each person to step outside of their own comfort zone and extend their hand and say hey you know I love you too I mean I, it's just not you know and, and I've made it my own mantra and my own uh, habit of you know of of treating people from all communities exactly like the people I treat in my own community. I I don't try to treat, uh, uh, you know, pardon my sort of straight talking, but I don't try to treat people in the African-American community with kid gloves as though they have, they're incapable of just relating to me like everybody else.
0: Hmm. What, what, what would you say to the church, uh, Kevin? What, what role does the church have in, in dealing with uh, race relations and improving re- race relations, other than what you've said. Do you have any, any suggestions for the, for the church, for people of faith, how they can um, move in this area?
2: Yes, and, and frankly, uh, that's a fairly easy one. I am, I am pleased, and I guess you could say even proud to say, that it doesn't happen enough, in my opinion, but our particular church, First Presbyterian Church here in Mercuryboro, Tennessee, Uh, we have at least annually, it might be more than once a year, but I know at least annually where we, where we, you know, we invite a local uh, black pastor to come preach at our church Mm. and invite people from their congregations to come to our church and sit among us. And we do the same, uh, you know, our pastor then goes to uh, uh, um, an African-American church And preaches at their church and, and, and some of our congregation goes there. It's, it's, you know, without getting too mushy, it's really a beautiful thing.
1: Mm. It's, it's,
2: it's a beautiful feeling Uh to sit next to, um, let's say possibly an African-American who very rarely visits a church that is predominantly white and break bread and hug and just you know, just be joined together by the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's truly, I, I, I have, honestly, I, I, uh, I, I have a lump in my throat just thinking about it. Mm. It, it, because it is a beautiful thing. There's there's many components going there, but, but you also, I think if you're conscientious, you're, you're also aware of what's happening here. And that mm. is maybe an unusual situation that you have the opportunity to, to show love to people Mm-hmm. and they have the opportunity to show love to you where whereas in in times like this and i wouldn't just say right now john but in, in recent future where there's so much strife between um, the different races in this country mm-hmm. that it's much more meaningful when when this happens inside of churches so i, I absolutely believe in this i believe that pastors I don't like too much where pastors get into politics, but I do like a lot where pastors are out there trying to build the love inside of uh communities between churches and between relationships. So mm. there needs to be more there needs to be more extensions of of uh and invitations to people, you know.
1: Mm.
2: Bring all the churches together some festival somewhere. Oh. Have your Presbyterian church, you know. Whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. But it's it's a different tone and tenor when people believe that they're going to learn about cultures that they don't they don't know as much about.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And if I'm part of that church tent of my church, man, I'm handing them a card and say, "Man, please, please come visit our church. Don't have to become a member. Just come say hi to us and just sit and worship with us."
0: Sure, sure. Well, Kevin, this has been most interesting. Um, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up uh, pretty pretty soon here. But uh, if if people want to know more about you and the, the consulting work that you do, uh, is there a website? Uh, where, where could they? How could they reach you? If if they well, that,
2: that's very see? very nice of you, and I uh, and I and I appreciate that very much. I, I uh, my my website, my uh, my primary consulting firm's website is called Cubodyne. Dot com so that's h u m a d y n dot com and that stands for Human Dynamics and then there's Kevin McNulty speaks is more of my personal speaking site very nice of you John to to allow me to say that.
0: oh happy to do that and I will have that information in the show notes too so any listener wanted um, you know wanted uh, to to get that they could look there as well so.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and all those
0: other good things. So, sure. uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, again, Kevin, thank you so much. It's been uh, most enlightening and uh, we, are, I certainly appreciate your time and your insight, uh, especially in these uh, difficult times that we're all living in right now. Uh, and um, you, you've given us, uh, you've given me and, and I would suspect our listeners um, a lot to think about when it comes to um, how we can relate better to each other, and um, using the model of Jesus, as you had, as you had so eloquently pointed out. So,
2: well, it's a complete pleasure, and I and I appreciate the honestly, John, that you've taken the moment to uh, bring these not just my ideas, but the whole ideas. I mean, I think what you're doing here as a podcaster, it, you know, it it, it 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 improves the world around, us, and I appreciate uh. you.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I I appreciate that, Kevin. So anyway, thanks again for your time and um, let's stay in touch.
2: I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Okay. Take care. Okay, John. Thanks so much, my man. I appreciate
0: it. Thank you. Bye now. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow. I certainly found that interesting. I, I hope you did too. You know, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing I hope you remember from today's episode. And it's this. To ease racial tension, it's important that we model ourselves after Jesus and build relationships with people of a race different from ours. This requires a lot more of us than protesting. Protests draw attention to the problem. Building relationships helps solve the problem. Well, what can you do in response to today's show? I think there are a couple of things. I really like uh, Kevin's idea of churches coming together from different racial backgrounds, doing things together every now and then, like a joint Thanksgiving service in November and maybe a Juneteenth service in June, even just twice a year. I I wonder if that would fly. Hmm. I I think it's worth a try for sure, because I know that would please God and put a smile on His face. Another thing you can do is to check out episode 43, entitled, Thankful for People Different from Me. You'll find some interesting replies from listeners to that episode that are actually doing what Kevin suggested in today's episode. If you'd like to know more about Kevin McNulty and the work he does, you can go to the two links that he referenced in our discussion. The first one is, Humdyn.com. and that's spelled H-U-M-A-D-Y-N.com. And keep in mind, I'll have these links in the show notes. And the second one is KevinMcNultySpeaks.com. So check out those show notes if you'd like to learn more about Kevin and possibly get in touch with him. As always, another thing you can do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the Leave a Reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. By the way, did you know this podcast and our blog posts are sponsored by Caring for Others, a missionary care ministry? We depend upon the generosity of donors to pay our bills so we can reach and serve more people. If you'd like to support what we do with a secure online tax-deductible donation, Uh, please check out the show notes where there's a link that you can do so. And we'd be so grateful if you did. Well, in closing, I, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now for our Relationship Quote of the Week. I used this one back on episode 56 by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, earlier in the year. I think, I just think it's so applicable, I'm going to use it again based on our discussions with Kevin. And, and here's what Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar said. Uh, here's his solution to race relations tension. He said, go out and make friends with people who don't look like you. I really love that. Go out and make friends with people who don't look like you. Well, that's all for today, and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye for now.